You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas begins a new series on the Ten Commandments, now looking at the First Commandment. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. You're listening to the first in a series of ten lessons on the Decalogue, which is just a fancy word for the Ten Commandments. I'd like to begin with a little bit of terminology. Torah, which is the law or instruction. Pentateuch, the five rolls. Remember, the ancient manuscripts were rolled up, and the rolls from Genesis to Deuteronomy were called the Pentateuch or the Torah. And another term, of course, is the greatest commandment. Loving God with all of our heart, Deuteronomy 6.5. And the second, loving our neighbors ourselves, Leviticus 19.18. Now, interestingly, neither one of these is found in the Ten Commandments. And yet, if you look at the Ten Commandments, you'll see that the first four pertain directly to our relationship with God and the next six to our relationship, our love uh, for our neighbor. And so, in a sense, the Ten Commandments are an expansion of these two uh, vital principles. The commandments were written on tablets of stone. We know this uh, from the relevant passages in Exodus and Deuteronomy. And often it's thought that two tablets were needed because there was so much material they couldn't fit it on one. But that would be a misunderstanding and really a failure to appreciate covenant customs from the ancient Near East, in the second millennium B.C. Okay, I know it's a lot of terminology, but it's all found in the notes that accompany this podcast. So the Ten Commandments given through Moses, this is probably the 13th century B.C. So that's the second century B.C., uh, maybe 3,300 years ago. And at this time, when treaties, when covenants were made, between two parties, each received a copy of the agreement. In the case of Israel and God, God says, in effect, you keep my copy. And so Israel retains God's copy, but these are almost certainly two identical tablets. So much for introduction. Everyone's heard of the Ten Commandments, Uh, Not many people I know can recite them. I remember a a family Christmas time. We had a a little competition. We gave uh, the kids a few days to prepare. And the one who memorized, the one who uh, knew the Ten Commandments cold, you know, knew them uh, and could recite them, received a prize. It was uh, $10, as I recall. Some of you will think I spoiled my children. Others of you will think I'm a cheapskate. But I really believe that we need to not only expect ourselves to know this material, but anyone that we have a spiritual influence on, certainly children and uh, young Christians, everyone needs to know the Ten Commandments. Okay, let me tell you the format of these lessons. We'll have some introductory material each time, which I've just given to you. Then we'll deal with the text itself uh, with some comments on the text. And then finally, we'll have some uh, questions for thought, 
thought questions so that uh, we don't walk away just with, well, an intellectual appreciation. The point is to uh, truly let this get into our hearts. And I'm sure that's what we want. Okay? So let's begin. The first commandment, Exodus 20, verses 1 to 3. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Most of our readings in this series will be very short uh, because most of the commandments are short, but some of them are quite long and there are reasons for that, but not this week's commandment. I've already read it. It boils down to this. You shall have no other gods before me. So these commandments were delivered the first time at Sinai, Mount Sinai, also called Horeb. And that's the beginning of the desert wanderings. He comes out in a new version near the end of this period. And so you'll find an updated version written for the younger generation, so to speak, not dumbed down, just applying to a new situation in Deuteronomy 5. And if you really want to dig... There's another kind of Ten Commandments in Exodus 34. Well, let's look at these specific words. I am the Lord your God. Now, you'll notice in your Bible, there's Lord and there's Lord. And I'm referring to the convention in English Bibles of capitalizing the word Lord, L-O-R-D. All four letters capitalized. And what that tells you is that in the Hebrew, it's not the word Lord. I know this can be confusing, but capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D renders four letters in Hebrew. And so the English translators are trying to keep the four letters and the letters are Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. The name of God, it means I am. And this name of God, and there are many different names of God, by the way, but this appears in the Old Testament Almost 7,000 times, about 6,800 times. If you haven't listened to the podcast on the name of God, that will probably be a good supplement um, for you as you study the first commandment. Of course, there's another word, Lord, which is Adonai, Lord. Why is it important that we talk about the Lord being our God? Well, this refers to his claim on our life. But it also reminds us of who God is and what his name means. And it's not just a word or a formula. His name is his its essence, his characteristics, uh, traits, authority, uh, presence. Our Christian lives, our spiritual life, both are rooted in, in who God is. And so it doesn't just begin with a list of rules. So many Unbelievers have an impression, and I think this is also true. Many very worldly churchgoers think that the Bible is just a list of rules. Well, there aren't really that many lists of rules. In a way, there is one here in Exodus 20, but it's convenient. But it doesn't just begin, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. It begins with a statement of God's identity. I am the Lord your God. And it's more than just he's God which establishes his right to say what he will say. But he's the one who brought us out of slavery. And what that means is that we obey God, not in order to be saved, but because we've already been redeemed. 
Remember the situation here. The commandments are given to Israel after they've been taken out of Egypt. Remember the Passover meal in Exodus 12 that celebrated that that fateful night and the Exodus in chapter 14. And uh, God tells him he'll give him uh, a, a mission. He wants to make his people a light to the world in Exodus 19. But to do that, they're going to need the law. They're going to need the guidance. Exodus 20. So again, we obey God not in order to be saved, but because we already are. And that is a vital distinction. Obedience is not slavery. Many people think that obedience is slavery or that repentance is burdensome. But actually, repentance is freeing. And obedience is not slavery. It's freedom. We've been set free so that we can obey God's law. Now, it's true that uh, obedience is a kind of yoke. It's something we must submit to. It requires discipline, uh, like in Matthew 11. But it's, that yoke is easy. The burden is light. His commands are not burdensome, 1 John 5, 3. And Deuteronomy 30, 11 to 20, which I've also put in the notes, explains this very well. So the correct uh, Jewish perspective on law is not that it's a burden or that it's dry or boring or a list of rules. Rather, that this is very doable. It's our very life. We do it because of uh, who God is and what he's done in our lives. Because he is the eternal loving God and because he has redeemed us. You shall have no other gods before me. You know, when you put it that way, that seems quite reasonable. Okay, some thought questions. Just listening to this opening lesson, is there anything you learned that was new? Something you didn't know or something you've been teaching wrong? I don't really care how many times you've read uh, the Old Testament. There's always something. What is it? And are you growing in your knowledge? Next question I ask myself is, do I obey God out of a fear or, or out of a sense of duty or out of appreciation for my salvation? I admit that there are many times when I, I do the right thing because, well, that's just my custom. Uh, I may not even really think about a fear of punishment or, or love of God. I, I may do it mechanically. But clearly, while it's better to obey than disobey, it's even better to obey out of love for God and out of appreciation for his taking us out of Egypt. When were you in Egypt? Was it this year? Did you become a Christian 50 years ago? But we were all there. Do I obey God out of fear or duty or out of appreciation for him redeeming me? And is there anything more important to me than God himself? I mean, that is the essence of this commandment, to have nothing but put no other gods before me, the Lord says. Do others know that this is true of my life? My family, my friends, my neighbors, do they know that God is number one? Does my wife know that God is the most important relationship to me, even ahead of her, which will make me a better husband? Do my children know that I'm going to obey God before I obey my own government? That God is more important to me than my career? And so forth. Is there anything more important to me than God? And obviously this ties directly into the second commandment concerning idolatry. But we'll get into that next time. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching on the Ten Commandments. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.